1: And enjoy.
0: Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on plague day. (laughs) I'm not going to apologize for not being
2: on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. I am.
0: All right. (laughs)
1: All right, everybody, I got a uh, little round table here today. We're going to be discussing the LP versus the paleo libertarian or GOP route, which, you know, maybe those aren't exactly interchangeable, but uh, we're just going to kind of see where this goes. And I've been looking forward to having this conversation for quite a while because the uh, strategy thing really interests me. as the government gets more and more out of control, and as we see more and more of this ridiculous shit being pushed on us, uh, the strategy question seems to be more and more prevalent and very, very important. And we should definitely allocate resources to the best, pay- best place possible. So um, I guess everybody give a quick introduction. Buck, since uh, last time you were on, you kind of got to go last. I'll let you go first, and then we'll do Tyler and Pete, uh, or Taylor and Pete. All good. Uh, just, yeah, just give a uh, little <laughs> introduction of where you were, because all you guys at one point, I believe, were sort of involved with the LP and then kind of moved on to where you're at now. So, uh, Buck, go ahead uh, start things off.
3: Okay. Uh, I'll start by saying if I had not my usual chipper, amazingly happy, funny self, I'm a slight bit hungover. Um, thanks, Mark Claire. That was a we were up till about 3 a.m. drinking whiskey. Uh, so I'm jealous. Uh, yeah, it was good. Um, but but uh, it hurts a little bit right now. Let's see. Yeah, I, I was in the LP. In 2000 ish. Uh, Yeah, 2000 till about 2016 or something like that, Uh, maybe a little past that. And uh, I also was a, by the way, a a quick aside, I was a Republican delegate for Ron Paul in 2008. So, but I think I was still in the LP when that all went down. Um, I wasn't, I was, I thought it was, I was wide eyed when I first joined and I thought what a cool thing this is. And uh, it was in Austin, Texas. And I started going to the meetings. There's only like 10 of us, but I thought like, well, I'm kind of uh, being a, a, uh, an activist and all this stuff. And this is important to me. And I, of course, during the Bush years, you don't want to be a Republican. And I certainly wasn't going to be a Democrat. And so that was kind of the only option I felt for political uh, activity. And then, I quit kind of going to the meetings and stuff like that over the years. I was in my 20s, so I was focused, uh, interestingly enough, on other th- activities besides political ones. Um, and then I started going uh, because of uh, people like my pal Pete and Scott Horton and Dave Smith uh, and Tom. I started going, I guess that was in like 2015 or something, to be possibly a delegate for Jacob Hornberger. And so I was attending the meetings again. 2020. And Was that 2020? Uh-huh. Oh mm-hmm. shit! Okay, never mind. Yeah, well, that in 2020. Um, Feels like it's been that long. It does. Um, and lo and behold, I looked around, and other than a handful crop of new people that I some I'm still friends with, uh, it was like the same old guys and gals from 2002, 2003, 2004. Still like, hey, who's going to run for commissioner and all of this stupid shit? And uh, after the Hornberger thing kind of fizzled out, and uh, I just was kind of done at that point. And I, I really didn't have any more interest in being in a political party at all. So even though we're talking GOP route versus LP route or whatever we want to uh, frame this as, I'm not a GOP person either. I'm not a political party person. Uh, and I think local activi- activism, I don't like that word, it's a prog- progressive term, but local political activity is probably more important than national political activity. And I don't know that a political party is even necessary at least for what I'm interested in. So, uh I know that was a long rant but I have no interest in any political party certainly one that has no value to me which is the libertarian party, uh certainly not the democratic party either but more and more of those are the same thing. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, um as we see um we were talking a little bit off air but uh, here in Pennsylvania there definitely is a lot of uh, I'm just going to come straight out say it, but degeneracy amongst some of the libertarians here in the uh, party and i've been very very torn about this whole debate specifically because the longer you spend with libertarians the more signal chats you get into the more you realize <laughs> that um someone like me a blue collar dude who you know wants to be married and wants to have kids well is going to be married and is going to have kids and you know owns his house at 27 years old um a lot of these people don't share exactly the same values as me and ending the drug war and promoting sex work is it number 1 on my list of priorities but for some people it is and i mean that's okay but if we're going to be using a political party then i think we need to figure out what those priorities are and once again to me that's not sex work and drug laws and i'll say that those aren't important at all but they're very, very low on my list of priorities. Um, Taylor, you want to go ahead and uh, give a little introduction and, you know, whole deal on where you're at as well?
2: Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, when I was, let's see, about to turn 16 years old, I started paying attention to politics. Um, it was because of the Ron Paul 2008 campaign where this all started. Um, and then in between those years, in between 2008 and 2012, um, I was in high school like, uh, Buck was discussing his twenties, um, was definitely, um, while I cared about politics and was interested in it, it was not that big in my list of priorities. I cared about, you know, baseball and whatever else. And then in 2012, um, I was, uh, not able to register yet because i was actually 17 but um the 2012 ron paul campaign really got me interested in politics completely like where i became as uh i wouldn't say obsessive as i am now especially on the theory end but um very very passionate about the subject even if my knowledge wasn't there yet Um, and, uh, as soon as I could have, um, I registered for the LP, um, because of what the GOP did to Ron Paul in 2012. Um, and I thought, you know what, Ron ran as a, as a, um, GOP candidate, but he represents these ideas and this party is supposed to represent those ideas. And then, um, I got more into theory, uh, Rothbard, uh, mostly, um, and 2016 rolls around and thinking that the LP was going to be a good route for some form of like the start to my, um, political real political, um, life where I could advocate for candidates When I started to really pay attention to the LP, I quickly realized this was this was a lost cause. One thousand percent. And after 2016, when Trump got elected, I could not uh, I switched back to GOP so fast my head spun. Um, And and then the Mises caucus thing came around. Uh, I went to a meeting or two, uh, talked to heist. Um, very good guy. Uh, nice guy. Um, Switch back to LP just out of being like, I would say, uh, just like, okay, these are really good guys. I should give this a shot again. And again, really, I, I once I like got home from those meetings and thought about it again and talked to Jared uh, and the rest of the Hoppian.org guys and everything else, I was just like, I don't, really, I don't really think this is going to work. I, I mean, I like these people because they, they agree with me on theory. Um, at least the Mises caucus guys, a, a, a few of them, I guess. Um, but if I really want to change anything and actually do something, especially locally, and, and like Buck said, localism is where it's at. And while I may I may disagree with him that no political party is uh, one that he cares about in that situation. While I I have very, very big sympathies for the GOP, even the PA GOP, which is just fraught with with some of the worst in the conservative camp, but also some very good people. Um, And uh, after that 2020 LP registration or whatever year that was, I I switched right back to GOP and I'm here. And uh, even I considered myself uh, paleo, Whenever I registered back LP, I wasn't a true believer. So I, I came back home to the GOP. Um, I don't even really count that LP round two is a real LP round for me because it was literally less than two months. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and I'm here and um, really strong believer in the new right as a movement to, for libertarians to help the right to get the country back to where it goes i don't need the right to conform to my ideas i want to help the right with my ideas Mm. and that's where i am
1: cool cool um yeah there's a lot i want to touch on there but um pete you're perhaps the most interesting
4: um case in this whole deal <laughs> interesting usually means asshole
1: well i i don't i don't mean that in this context just so we're clear um because you had started doing speaking events and um don't take this as a dig at you and i know you said interesting is asshole but um you don't come off as a kind of public speaking kind of guy just, just really
4: no, for I'm me actually really good at it
1: <laughs> okay well I, I believe it because you know I I do think you're very eloquent in you know that kind of way but um like you just I don't know like the I don't know it just doesn't not my initial expectation but anyways <laughs> you were doing speaking stuff for the
4: LP and this caucus not the LP
1: right well okay yeah LP Mises caucus. I guess that's a uh definitely a good denominator but um.
4: Then you had seemed to
1: become disaffected with that and kind of moved on to the whole post-libertarian moment, which I feel like is a, almost a misnomer in a way. But at the same time, it also kind of indicates something important, right? Because it's a moment where you realize that just libertarianism alone and posting taxation to theft memes and screaming the non-aggression principle doesn't actually get a stand Kapistan. So So um, – if you could kind of detail out your journey, because you were originally brought in from Ron Paul and then, you know, LP, and then now you're at where you're at. So just kind of detail out that journey and, you know, obviously what you're doing now.
4: So I voted, I voted three times in my life and every time I voted for a Republican, um, but I only ever voted for a right winger once. And that was when I voted for Ron Paul in 2008. Turns out the other two were, um, well, one was a CIA agent and the other one was a, um, you know, owned by the neocons Mm. so by the time 2012 rolled around i mean i was out i didn't even follow the campaign I, i i wasn't following anything i mean i was like meditating i was like i was like doing spiritual work and stuff like that 2016 rolled around i just saw this absolute circus start happening um really didn't know you know when you looked at it you're like okay so if trump wins what does the country look like if Hillary wins, you pretty much know what the country's going to look like. So I decided to just get involved and get on social media. I mean, I was actually making memes instead of stealing them back then. And, um, <laughs> you know, and posting and things like that. And then I got involved. I started the podcast in July 2017. And it took a little while to get popular, but, um, you had to start getting some downloads. But it, it started happening. And... I remember when the Mises Caucus thing first started, when I first heard about it, it was late 2017, and I thought it was you know a really good idea because they were invoking the Mises Institute, which from day one of 2007, um, I was interested in, I was ordering books from, I was donating to, and I thought that the Mises Caucus sounded like a good idea, and my whole goal was just to promote it. Didn't want to get involved at all. I didn't want to go to, you know, conventions or anything like that. And, um, yeah, I just, let me just promote it. And 2020 rolled around. It was convention season. And I went to the January convention in 2020. And, yeah, it's January 2020. You know, it's right about to happen very soon afterwards. (laughs) And, I mean, I hated every minute of it. By the second day, I snuck out to buy... bottle of Jack Daniels and we could, they couldn't even get a quorum because I had left to go to the liquor store. So (laughs) I get back by the time we leave there, I'm hammered. And I'm just like, I I don't, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Well, COVID pretty much took care of that. And I just completely dropped out. Um, I didn't have any opinions on, yeah, I wasn't making any opinions on the LP or the Mises Caucus at that point. I mean, I was just like, this, this is probably the most important thing that's going to happen in, in my life, this COVID thing. And I recognized it right away. So I started talking about it. The end of the year, <clears throat> I got contacted by someone and said, hey, this is what the plan is. Do you want to be involved? And it's like, sure, I get to hang out with my friends. I get to, you know, <laughs> basically I'm, I'm around people that I like. And I started promoting it, started really running with it, and everything, and went to speak at a at a convention in Washington. And when I came back, it was like Pork Fest was soon after that, and I went to Pork Fest. Mm-hmm. And when I got back from Pork Fest, um, I had I got COVID bad, and I don't know. The, just the whole time that I was laying in bed and thinking about it, I was just like. I was rethinking a lot of things and I was just like, okay, so what is the strategy here? And obviously the strategy is not to get elected and wield power because you're trying to take over the LP. So then the only strategy left is teaching is you use it as a teaching method. And then I started going over some old Ron Paul writings and found one from 1972, where he's addressing David Nolan Straight on saying that a a third party will never be a teaching platform, and he invoked the Socialist Workers Party, which had existed for a hundred years at that point, ran someone every four years, and just basically turned people off. And then he he pointed out that look at the LP, you know. Then later on, like twenty years later, I'm reading more articles about the LP, and Murray's like it's a freak show it's like the nation's biggest outpatient clinic and you even if you go now it's there i don't care about a takeover i don't care about, you know so if i don't believe that if i don't be, if i think that you d- you need political power in order to have change and nobody's looking at the kind of political power that i think it takes to take change well that that goes off the table there and then i don't believe that it's an educational vehicle anymore. Well, then why, why would I waste my time? I mean, it was like, and know, I don't want to, they could send me to talk to places, you know, talk in places. Um, it's not going to be in my heart. I'm not going to just waste their money and everything like that. You know, if I want to travel, I'll just travel. But it just got to the point where I'm like, okay, (laughs) if we want change in the direction that we're, we're going in, that we want to go in, It's going to desire an insane amount of power and it's going to, and most, when you tell most libertarians that they say things like, you just want power so you can punish your enemies. So I start reading political theory and what does political theory say? Well, most people who get in power, they reward their friends and punish their enemies. Like that sounds like what political, what politics is. And if you're not willing to accept that, then you're probably just stay out of the game. And I'm okay with people staying out of the game, but shut the fuck up about me getting involved with it and doing what needs to be done. Yeah, you know, I'm you know, I'm just sick of the the bullshit of you know wishing here, read this book, you know, watch this video and hoping that you're gonna change the world. Well, you're not gonna change the world. And let me tell you something. If you have in your head, a picture of what you think the world is going to look like, what will improve human flourishing, will make people more free, and you're not willing to seize the power in order to do it and to implement it, you're not only, you're immoral and you're evil. What are you doing? Just quit. Stop talking about it.
1: Right. Yeah, and... You kind of came at me before and reasonably so, and and I think it was necessary. And this is what really kind of got my head scratching. The LP here in Pennsylvania, um, as I'm sure you've heard, we've won contested and obviously a lot of uncontested races. Mm -hmm. And I've said on this podcast plenty of times, look we elected you so that way you can help bring about liberty and freedom for the people that you're responsible for right the people who elected you if you do not do that i'll be the first one to say okay you're out if it's a republican if it's a democrat if it's another libertarian whoever is going to take your place and do the things that need to be done will be put in there and i will actively make sure you're out of there and i think that's the way that we need to look at it um so that being said you guys are all about local politics and Pennsylvania seems to be a good ground for this. Um, What would change your mind about the LP approach? And once again, I I want full and honest criticism because I'm looking for the objective truth of things, right? I want to know what's going to work. I don't care about a party, right? If the Libertarian Party here in Pennsylvania fails, then okay, we're done. You know, 2024, if this is still the same thing, oh, look, we have all these people, dog catchers and... You know constables and auditors of election. Then, okay, what did we do? Who's better off? Um, Buck, you want to start off with that?
3: What it, you say? I want to ask you what would what would it take to to back the LP strategy, or what is the strategy?
1: Basically run people locally to use political power to help free people, right? I mean, that's my interpretation of that. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's
2: I've, as far I've as actually I'm okay. I've actually talked to Heiss about this sure. before. Um, he he as the leader of the Mises Caucus was actually very, very influenced. And I mean, the the Mises Caucus was built on what must be done by Hoppe. Um, at least the intention was to mirror his strategy. And while I absolutely love that idea, you must be willing to acknowledge the barriers to entry that the LP brings to that. Absolutely and also are, yeah. the baggage that the LP brings with you, which the while, while the GOP, sure, I mean, it has its issues, many of them, at least it has the potential to make that change with people who don't even agree with you 40% voting for you. LP people, they get spite votes and they get full agreement votes. GOP votes get people who just like voting GOP. (laughs) Like, I mean, and that's it. And you can earn more. You can turn people. But uh, but yeah, Buck, uh, I I interrupted you. I apologize for that.
3: No, no worries. You actually also made a good point earlier. I, I want to retract what I said that I don't need a political party to do local stuff. Sure. I, I I was of that mind, but um, Taylor actually reminded me. I had a, a Zoom meeting with with uh, well, I don't know if it was supposed to be private anyway, but it's someone we all know. And I do need a little bit of a of a political party locally, not to say I'm Buck Johnson as the republican of lockhart texas or something like that but i am going to approach the the local gop and discuss certain things with them um because i obviously would like them at least in my corner if not uh, to offer uh you know treasurer and stuff like that so uh, i would say that um what would it take for me to get behind the lp strategy if that's what the strategy is um To be honest, it would have to be that the LP was a a major party player, and they're not. And they're not, as far as I could tell, you know, things change year to year. At this rate, things change month to month and day to day. I would bet my house that they'll never be a major uh, player. And so there's no real point. If you're going to run for office or support someone that's running for office, if the idea is not to win, then I am a little bit lost as to what the purpose would be. Uh, You can educate people, and you can be on talk shows and TV shows and and write books and and pass books out, uh, not as a politician. Mm -hmm. And so, especially these days, I mean, Dave Smith's a comedian, and he's probably one of the best voices for this type of stuff we're talking about, and he doesn't need to be a politician to do that. He's all over the place. Uh, Same with Tom Woods. If Tom wanted to be out there as much as Dave is, I, I suspect that he could you don't i wouldn't think that tom should go run for the libertarian party presidential candidate or something like that it would be pointless and so it, it's just the whole as if i were a leftist i would think that the green Party this is, is equally impotent like it's, sure. it's it's just kind of purposeless other than saying like i'm some kind of fringe activist but you're not going to get anywhere just rah 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 and yelling at stuff and and screaming at the wall and trying to change hearts and minds uh to to lose I mean Mm -hmm. that's not a very uh convincing message hey we're so pure and we we have the best message and we're gonna lose come join us it doesn't make any sense to me it's just weird
1: yeah so um I I completely agree and this is um I catch a lot of flack for it but I say you know where there's viable republican candidates um someone like Ian Smith over in New Jersey Um, I had him on the show and he's running for Congress. Why the fuck would someone in the LP run against him? Who are Mm -hmm. you going to bring to the table? Who's going to bring in more votes and is more admired than he is, right? This dude's been on Tucker Carlson a number of times. He's very, very well known and obviously he's loved by his community. It's like a Ron Paul situation. Somebody who birthed a whole ton of people and who's loved by his community um, is running for Congress. Do you think there's anybody in the LP who has even remotely the same notoriety that he does to run against him and actually win?
3: Well, uh, no. Uh, no, I but there's not- going to be someone that runs against him in the LP, I bet you.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, and I, cool. I said actively, we, sh- we shouldn't do that. Sorry, Taylor. Um,
2: no, uh,
3: it's it's all good.
1: Yeah. Um, so... I, I see you have something to say, but uh, I guess after that, just kind of go into what would what it would potentially take to change your mind. So go ahead, uh, I, I see you're chomping at the pit.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, well, well, literally what I was gonna say was, if you want me to stop actively speaking against BLP, stop running against right wingers, real right wingers. Run against neocons. Yeah. Run against Run against bad right wingers. Stop running against good ones. And like I said, stop trying to be the smartest people in the room. Whenever it comes to you, don't conform to my ideology one hundred percent. So you don't have my support. This is politics. This is this is not uh, this is not like a club. This is there is real shit at stake. So whenever. Whenever people in the LP talk about, whenever like uh, a Dave Smith won't endorse a Joe Jorgensen. and like, may, I mean, he didn't vote for Trump, but what if he what if he said that he would, just because you know Trump was maybe uh, better than than Biden, but if by his by his choice, people in the LP would be trying to actively kick him out because yeah. he felt that real things were real power. And real consequences were at stake here, as we are seeing now. And if he said, hey, I'm still an ANCAP, I'm still 100% a libertarian, as am I, as am I, more libertarian than I ever have been. But if he would have used his voice to say, hey, I think I'm going to vote for Trump, just defensively, pure 90s '90s Rothbard, paleo, like, we're voting for these people defensively, but also because they don't hate our guts and we could probably work with them. But that would that would be the way to change my mind on the LP as a party as a whole. Stop running against good right-wingers. Work with them. The reason why right-wingers hate libertarians half the time, like even good right-wingers hate libertarians half the time is because A, they don't know real libertarians, and B, it's because libertarians are constantly screeching at them that they're fascists. Work with them. (laughs) Stop running people against them because they're more on your side than half the LP.
1: Yeah, so um, maybe this is where, uh, you know, maybe I'm not the best person to defend the LP because this has kind of been my thing all along is that, hey, if there's actually a good viable Republican, you really shouldn't run against them because it's in our best interest to make sure that good Republicans get elected. And as far as I can tell- Welcome to paleo. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's that hard of a concept to get. And once again, to bring it back to someone like Ian Smith, who are you going to run against that's going to be as influential as him? Um, Taylor, I think when you and I were going back and forth on Twitter, uh, Aaron Bernstein got brought up, and I'm actually working on getting him on the show and uh, going to talk to him about some different stuff. But, uh, you know, once again, if he proves to me that, uh, you know, if there's an LP candidate running in his county, but, um, you know, if I like him more and he seems more viable, then, well, sorry <laughs> i'll vote republican it, it shouldn't be about the party it should be about the principles and the person who's going to wield power most effectively and is most likely to get in it, it shouldn't be a vanity game and that's kind of my thinking all along and i think a lot of people just want to run as a libertarian for their own ego and just to say that look i'm an lp candidate because i see this all the time i'm elected libertarian i'm elected libertarian okay the that's big, fine a small pond right right yeah. but what, what what have you done um so anyways, kind of a long side tangent, but uh, Pete, what would it take for you to change your mind? I don't think you're going to, and I'm not asking anybody to, but I, I'm just kind of curious, you know, what you guys' thoughts would be surrounding potentially change your mind.
4: Well, something that would give me hope, and um, Taylor already brought up the term fascist, so let me um, let me bring out that side of me. Um, I'm looking at the LP website right now, and it says member pledge. Yes. Sign me up as a member to validate my membership. I certify that I oppose the initiation of force to achieve political or social goals. If you are not willing to use force, which is not violence to achieve political goals, you're done. You're out of the game. Politics is all about force. It's all about applying pressure and If that's against, you know, I would even go as far as social goals because, you know, then I'll start thinking about, oh, what if if you do get to Ancapistan and what if you do have a covenant community and what if somebody is preaching communism? Well, then you are going to be, as the Hapa meme goes, physically removed if you don't change your ways and you won't. They don't change your ways very rarely. That's my biggest problem. My biggest problem is that you cannot, I've been writing about this since the ending of 2020. You cannot have the non-aggression principle be applied to politics. It, forget it. You're done. It's over.
2: Well, uh, yeah. It, and into. I actually, I might disagree with Pete here. I, I go back and forth on it all the time. I don't I don't think that forces aggression um, inherently. Yeah. So I still, uh, like I said, I'm still as much of a libertarian, still as much of an ANCAP, still as much of a... a Rothbardian, Hoppy, and whatever you want to call me, um, as ever, I never advocate for breaking the NAP. But where people get get confused is they use the agorist uh, definition of libertarianism or their idea of libertarianism, which is left libertarianism, um, to to say that all political action is aggression. I disagree wholeheartedly. And defensively using political means against your enemies, which could involve violence, just defensive violence, is not aggression. That's defense. Physical, I mean, physical removal of of people who are actively advocating against private property norms in a covenant community. I mean, if they're in the streets breaking windows, saying, hey, we gotta, we gotta crush this system, we need equality. And you say, hey, get the fuck out of here, and you get somebody to kick them out, that's not aggression. That's defense. I I have never, ever advocated for aggression, but I will absolutely advocate for force.
1: Okay, so I'm glad you guys are on this topic because it made me think of a tweet I put out the other day, and I did catch some flack from – a specific libertarian. And I tweeted out, there's a difference between authoritarianism and leveraging local politics to advance freedom. You can reduce government burden without being a tyrant. If you're an anarchist against local political action, you're absolutely useless in effect. And there were a handful of libertarians who came right at me saying, "No, oh, I wouldn't say that. What about agorism? And I... <laughs> This is kind of like, yeah, this is kind of like those assholes who say Bitcoin fixes this to absolutely fucking everything. Well, look, not everybody is going to fucking adopt Bitcoin. Not everybody's going to adopt, um, agorism. Um, I heard Pete say this on, uh, one of the end of the empires and I I think about it all the time, but, uh, these anarchists and a lot of libertarians will say we need to do everything we can to delegitim- or delegitimize the state so that way people drop out well <laughs> not everybody's going to drop out it's just not going to happen
4: so um
1: it's like homeschooling right, right, right. It's,
4: it's, it's what i've been talking about homeschooling lately yeah homeschool your freaking kids but understand 95% of everybody else is not going to homeschool their kids so in 20 years when you have the greatest kid you know when, when you've raised the greatest kid all these kids the same age are progressive soldiers who probably if it's a female want you know, to force top surgery upon her and they absolutely like
1: they absolutely hate your kid as well
2: and, and uh, they uh, will do
1: everything to ostracize them
2: Oh 100% and I I had this argument on what was it punk rock libertarians Uh, one of the first shows I ever went on. And I I made the point, almost the same point as Pete is making, I think just uh, the same point, but a different way of saying it, where I was like, while public schools exist, I obviously advocate for as many people to be homeschooled as possible. But to say that I want public schools to be as unpleasant and violence-ridden place as they are right now, would be awful for me to say. There are children involved. And like, yeah, it's they're obviously like, they're tools to, to churn out ideological progressives, 100%. But you can change that to a point, but you can also make them safer for people that are involved. And if you go around preaching and public schools, because public schools are so bad, a lot of parents, they're not going to take you seriously, and this is a, like another like I was blown away with the guy that was arguing with me, saying, saying I don't care, I don't care. They should homeschool their kids. They should homeschool their kids. And I was like, yeah, I, I mean, I kind of figured you would say that. I'm not going to mention the dude by name, but fuck him. Um, uh, like uh, so that once again sounds a
1: lot like Bitcoin fixes this when, well, when someone I, tells I you I can't fix have, my car.
2: I have more sympathy for the Bitcoin people. Um, oh. Than than these people, um, to say that we should make things as unpleasant as possible just because of a government not- monopoly on that situation is insane, and yeah. will get you nothing but vitriol against you from the majority of the public. They you think they hate you now? <laughs> wait until they wait until they hear <laughs> your your modal libertarian mm. garbage non political realist position on why their kids should be suffering because you won't homeschool them and you have to work two jobs because the the state and the Federal Reserve inflated the money so much that you need to work two jobs.
0: Right.
1: Yeah, and, and that is the honest truth of it. And this kind of goes back to a weakness with the LP right now. Um, you're seeing them with this don't say gay bill, right? And they're freaking out saying, oh, the government should have, you know, we should just abolish public schools, and, you know, it shouldn't matter what you're teaching. Um, it's so silly that you can't advocate for better policy. And so many libertarians want to be perfect on every issue, rather than just saying like, okay, well, this is my preference, but, um, well, without saying, okay, we should abolish public schools, but right now, why don't we try to soften the blow and make things as good as possible? And if that means voting for Republicans or you know, advocating for certain policies, then why can't we do that? Why does it have to be, well, oh, I'm not going to engage in any of this. It's just, you know, let's just try to abolish it. Well, once again,
4: we're, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it's just the, the ideological purity. Um, and a lot of people, their libertarianism, their anarcho-capitalism, their, um, especially their agorism, it becomes their identity. Mm-hmm. And if they deviate one inch from it, all their fellow people are going to be all over. And believe me, I know this. I, I know that I, I don't talk about anarchy anymore. And I have yeah. a documentary on Amazon Prime about anarchy mm-hmm. shot mostly at the Mises Institute. I just don't talk about it anymore because I want to talk about solutions that are to what's happening now. I mean, we're not going to have anarcho narco capitalism in my lifetime, not on any grand scale. I mean, I'd, and it's going to take a lot of work to do it locally. So we need to start talking about what needs to be done now and stop worrying about what people online who you've never met in your life, who would not, you know, who wouldn't piss on you or if you were on fire, they just, you know because you throw some fire memes up there every once in a while they're really nice to you and everything stop caring what they think you know i got attacked by adam kokesh this week i got attacked by somebody (laughs) else about how i'm not how i'm not a libertarian anymore and i'm like yeah i know that i mean it's like i mean i I know that my prescription isn't isn't Perfect libertarianism, but you're not going to have perfect libertarianism. You know, it's like I mean, I'm behind everything DeSantis is doing down there because he's he's operating like a king. He's basically like you know <laughs> operating via fiat, and that's pretty much what you have to do in a bureaucracy as such. And he is, if that black gay crackhead would have got elected instead of him that that state would be destroyed right now because that state is about tourism it's it runs on tourism and he would have shut down the whole tourism industry that place would have been probably the rat probably would have survived because they would have paid him to stay open or something like that i don't know or would have gotten money or something but and the rat has you know billions but DeSantis saved that state i don't you know I do care that he's a Zionist. Yeah, I wish he wasn't a Zionist, but I'm gonna I'm willing to look past that because I have people that I love that live in that state, and they are thriving because of him. Fuck oh, you, got anything to
1: add?
3: I was just thinking as as these guys are talking. Sure. Uh, part of one of the issues with with running under the the banner of the Libertarian Party. And obviously, and Pete's alluded to this, and I maybe it's just, I'll just say it's my opinion. Overall, there's not a wide pool of of charisma and talent within the LP. However, there is some, yeah. there is some, and your it's it's funny because libertarians typically will understand economics well, but you are allocating resources in an extremely Inefficient manner. If you're putting <laughs> talented, charismatic, smart people and running them as a libertarian, that that's your what a waste of resources. When it would be nice if uh, I don't know if if say someone like Angela McCardle was was taking over. I don't know. Maybe the Democratic Party of Orange County, or you know, I'm not specific on where she lives, but imagine someone bright like her representing uh, an agency with power. An organization with power imagine dave smith uh running to to be a, a republican senator of, of new jersey or something like that or, or house you know representative how, how cool would that be um i just spoke with this guy today for my next episode bruce fenton is oh, yeah. up in in, in in new hampshire yeah. and the guy is really bright he's like uh, he's a ron paul disciple of sorts and uh, uh a Bitcoin guy and he's funding a lot of his campaign in that manner, but he's running for the U S Senate and has a shot at least to, to win his primary as a Republican. How cool would it be to have that guy in the Senate? And so, you know, if you've got a, a bright, charismatic, smart person, I just feel like you're wasting, you're wasting a, a valuable talent in, in some kind of uh, dumpster fire, you know, far off that no one looks at.
1: Right. Do um, you guys want to add anything else to that?
2: Really, if if I had one wish, it would be that the best of BLP were as politically realist as what Buck just said. Um, Dave Smith in the GOP is an unstoppable force. Angela McCardle in the California Democratic Party, like he said, is an unstoppable force. For for I mean. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even really aware of the nitty-gritty of her positions. I know she's better than most of the LP, yeah. and I know that her as a female and also somebody who knows how to appeal to the left uh, would crush it. But this, this LP, I'm a libertarian, so I have to work within the LP just because of something that I owe to the philosophy – it's quite the opposite. You owe the philosophy the philosophy to get out of the LP and make a real difference
4: somewhere. It doesn't. It's, it doesn't matter where it is. It's that identity thing again. It's that identity. I, I, why could I? Why would I go in the GOP with blood-soaked monsters? And yeah, I'm, that's just it's an excuse. You don't want to. I'm just convinced these people don't want to succeed. No, they don't want to no. succeed. They 100%. just yeah. It's like they're they scared. know as long as they, yeah. Yeah, even Kokesh, I, I quoted him. He had a tweet yesterday where he said, anyone who runs as a libertarian knows they're not going to win. And I retweeted it. And all I put was, okay, ask the logical question.
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah.
4: Um, so kind of tailing on
1: to there, um, I really liked Trump the first two years, but I wasn't as politically informed as I am now. And I've had a lot of back and forth with, though, and obviously you guys, and it does seem like the fallout from Trump has brought out a lot of good in the GOP. While I don't believe he himself was necessarily a beacon for good, the outcome of him and the influence he brought and the people that he brought – were a very, 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 very big net positive for the GOP because you have guys like Sabatini. And I, I disagree with some of these guys on some shit, but look at the bigger picture, right? Yes, you could say our are blood-soaked monsters. Yes, you could say Trump should spend the rest of his life in prison for failing to end the genocide Yemen. Yes, you could say they're still poor on foreign policy. But let's... Yes, your you're, federal politics is crapshoot. But once again, bigger picture. You have DeSantis, right? He's a Zionist neocon. Okay, but... It's very, very important to note that this dude loves his people. He will do anything to protect Floridians, right, as he did. Um, don't agree with him on everything, but I much I would definitely say that here in Pennsylvania, Taylor can attest, I would have rather been in Florida for the last two years than here in Pennsylvania. You
2: right? are goddamn right, dude. Right.
1: And once again, you got Sabatini, um, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who may seem like a kook, but if you just listened to her for more than five minutes, like... You know, she actually makes a lot of fucking sense, and I've had her, you know, the person running against her on my show, and kind of looking back at it now, I'm like, she's she's kind of ridiculous, because she's literally saying uh, she might be a Russian asset, and I... Oh, God. I, Was that an LP person? Yes, yeah. yes. The uh, person oh, who's gosh, running against... Geez. Yeah.
3: Um,
1: and the only like reason libra- she left, seems
3: like... Left libertarian. Yeah. The only reason she seems like a kook is because of the way she's framed in the national spotlight. She's, yeah. She doesn't exactly. seem like... yeah.
1: Um, and I didn't know anything about her until I listened to her on Tim Pool. And after that, I was fully convinced like, okay, well, I think Angela, um, who's running against her, like, if you really want to be politically active, run for something else. Don't run against her. Marjorie Taylor Greene is an ally to libertarians. And she's proved this time and time again, because she says, hey, Republicans, listen to libertarians, Right she's been very very friendly to libertarians she she wants a more you know libertarian style republican party why the fuck are you running against her run for senate run for city council just do something don't don't fuck with her what, what are you doing and then once again <laughs> the fucking libertarian party what do they do they promote the recent article with her running against marjorie taylor green of all people why, why don't you, you know, once again like taylor was saying earlier Talk about somebody who's, you know, primarying a neocon or bad right winger. Why not promote that person? Why do you promote the one person who's running against somebody who's actually good on the political right?
2: As Pete said in the last time I spoke to him, because they hate the right. Mm -hmm. Uh, They hate the right. Um, Most libertarians view uh, view it in the cartoonish lens of the right being evil, the left being stupid. And they took, they took this to heart whenever they were 10 years old and they never let it go. Um, and they, they view um, supporting anybody on the right who maybe has some less than conventional opinions as somebody who is not worth their support. Even if MTG is better on the Fed than 40% of the Libertarian Party, uh, better on interventionist wars than I would say at least ten percent of the Libertarian Party right now, um, maybe more. Yeah, uh, Ukraine.
1: Th- Think about all the Ukraine flags. It's a bias.
2: Yeah, I mean they, they hate hmm. they hate the right. Um, they they really do. And uh, to to when to go back to Trump, uh, and what he brought to the Republican Party, um, him himself, yes. And Thotis put out a great article about uh, Trump betraying his base on the Fed, him going back to monetary policy and how bad he was on it. But to quote, the late, uh, to, to, to quote Lou Rockwell on Buck's show, Trump doesn't deserve to win. The American people don't deserve Trump to lose. And that was right before the election. And that's something that uh, that I took to heart whenever I listened to. I remember exactly where I was whenever I heard that line on Buck's show. I was in my car on the way home from from my buddy's house, and I was I was still going to vote for Trump, but like, and it was like that reasoning for me because I was very disappointed in his in his first first uh, term and only term at this point, Um, but really i mean that's the political realism that i want from libertarians i want them to understand that working with the right at this point right now not the 2001 right lou was as hard on the 2001 right Mm -hmm. as anybody go and look at 2001 articles from lourockwell.com and you will see that he was harder on the right in america than anybody that he has ever, any political side he's ever been been criticizing. But, I mean, the moment that we have right now, while there are still some ugly sides to the right, there are abs- there is more opportunity now than there has been since 1990. And Rothbard saw it then, and we have to see it now. Well put.
1: Now uh, you guys got anything to add? <laughs> um, so, kind of while we're talking about right, um, what does the right mean to you? Because to see, or to each you guys, because this seems to get pretty sloppy when people start talking about it. And I was very, very eh on this. Like I didn't get why people kept saying right wing, right wing, right wing because I, I just didn't understand it. And then over time, once I had Mac. Taylor, on um, you guys more so defined it a little bit more clearly as, to me, what seems to be respect for natural order and hierarchy. Um, when you just boil it down to that, then I agree. And kind of like a side note, when you look at 2017 or like 2019 when Me Too came around, it's kind of funny that we had a white male Republican who is very Machiavellian in, in his uh, rhetoric, and then you have all these sexual assault allegations coming out against men. Um, just, just kind of convenient when that movement had been around for 10 years, right? Um, so Buck, I guess, what does the right mean to you? Um,
3: kind of what you just alluded to, basically. it's I just kind of keep it simple in that you uh, not prefer even, but you would advocate for a natural hierarchy in, in societies and a natural elite and things like that. And then leftism would be the opposite of that leftism is one of the reasons it's evil is because it's impossible to attain and so that would be egalitarianism and as some great man put it to revolt against nature mm-hmm. oh, cool taylor same deal yeah i
2: mean it's um it's uh, the right is natural hierarchy uh politically uh society of natural elites um and order and the opposite of egalitarianism and chaos. Uh, I take a lot of influence from the NRX guys when applying that definition of of the right. Now, in my pure pure libertarian uh, form of what the right Mm -hmm. is, it is natural hierarchies and anti-egalitarianism. But what that leads to is the mold uh definition of right and left of order versus chaos. So it's essentially the NRX, it follows the libertarian and real definition of the right.
4: Cool. Pete. Yeah, I, I take the NRX uh, order versus chaos and you, know, you look at the highest crime areas of the country those are mostly left. I mean, I mean, almost all left. You're when you look at, as I've traveled this country, gone to small towns and seen these places that have you know, zero crime, zero violent crime and everything. I mean, these are right wing places. These are places where you see Trump flags. These are places where you see let's go Brandon flags, you know, um, when you go to Chicago, when you go to New York, when you go to Camden, New Jersey, when you go to Baltimore, these are the places where that are the most violent are the left. And violence is chaos. People don't want one of the reasons they hate violence is because it's chaotic. They don't know what's coming next. That's a great thing about private property. The great thing about private property is you know what you own, another person knows what they own. It reduces friction, it reduces any kind of, um, any kind of, violence and any kind of disorder and to bring up hierarchy too is hierarchy is really important and to understand that there are natural hierarchies out there and leftists and you could see, man can you see it now especially when you look at some of those tiktok videos of of teachers Mm -hmm. and everything and when you look at when you see a lot of libertarians, I mean, I'm not even going to say left libertarians because I don't know they appear as left libertarians. They may have a Rothbard quote in their um, in their profile, but when they start ragging on the family, you know, how the family is not a not a hierarchy, a natural hierarchy. I look at those people no differently than I look at the people, you know, the the kindergarten teacher, the gay male kindergarten teacher who wants to teach your kid about paddle boarding, whatever the fuck that is. I mean, so,
1: yeah. yeah. Well, and you got something.
2: Yeah. I was just going to say the last got time it. I was on, I was on this show, I brought mm-hmm. up how the left is egalitarian, even in their view of the family unit yeah. and the community. And, uh, not even to mention the division of labor for our, our Austrian friends out there. Um, without, without hierarchy, without division, there is no division of labor. Without hierarchy inside the home, there is no family unit. And this is a goal of a lot of the social leftists now. They want to crush the family unit because they want everybody to be under the same rules and in it it legally and culturally and this is something that is incredibly dangerous and not only is it anti-community it's anti-prosperity whatever you want to call it that's why i say that the left is i mean that's the number one reason why the left is so dangerous Mm
1: -hmm. right well they come full swing for the family and that's
2: where um you know
1: taylor you did say the last time you were on the show is that uh the downfall of the LPMC is that they don't specifically say that they're particularly right wing in this instance. Mm -hmm. And that is kind of a big deal. And especially for me personally, as I kind of laid out more towards the beginning of the show, I consider myself a more socially conservative person and people cringe at that. But, um, you know, as I learn more and more, and as I think more and more about the issues that plague our society is that, you know, it's the lack of that, where if you just have this degeneracy rampant, where it's free love and well, they're not you know, violating the NAP, but they're, you know, filling up, you got a 40 year old filling up an 18 year old while it's consensual. And, you know, there's single moms everywhere. It's at some point, you realize that this is not good for your community as a whole, and you're going to need some kind of order to bring in this chaos, which will typically be an overbearing government that Mm -hmm. will crush the overall freedom that you have in your society.
4: What did, uh, Hoppe say, um, left libertarians or viagra for the state
2: no that was uh well yeah that was uh peter brimlow that was peter brimlow that was peter Peter brimlow's quote the viagra of the state uh Uh, speaking about uh, speaking about uh immigration immigration
4: Immigration.
2: and Hoppe essentially used his quote to apply to left libertarian social theory to say that left libertarianism itself is viagra of the state
3: and it works even on another level because they're (laughs) blue-pilled
4: and um pray Uh, for pray, pray for peter brimelow if you can he had he had knee replacement surgery recently and he's not healing up very fast
2: damn that sucks
4: so um i guess what would be some kind
1: of the literature that you guys read that really convinced you that this was the way um i guess we'll start with uh pete i, I know you guys are huge fans of Hoppe, but like <laughs> what in
4: particular well i mean the one the one person who keeps me coming back to libertarianism is Hoppe. Mm-hmm. if i read anything now of libertarian literature it's going to be something that Hoppe wrote i'm going to pull something off the shelf from Hoppa. Um, Or some 90s Rothbard or something like that. I mean, I've read all the theory. I've read For a New Liberty. I read For a New Liberty twice when I became a libertarian. So uh, all that. But um, after that, I mean, getting into NRX and starting to read Burnham, um, James Burnham, starting to read Sam Francis, um, then getting into some of the classics, reading Pareto, um, reading The Juvenile, and, um, you know. And Paul Gottfried. Mm-hmm. People forget Paul Gottfried. Paul Gottfried is, he's 80 years old now and he is as sharp as ever. And he is, I mean, he's basically like the save, you know, if libertarianism is going to ever really be a thing to behold one day, you know, that I mean, it's going to be people reading Paul Gottfried and applying it and finding a way, to, you know, applying it to their libertarianism because. You know, libertarianism cannot be left wing and succeed because all it will do is lead to chaos, lead to degeneracy and chaos. And that's what I see in a lot of these people who are
1: focused on sex work and drugs and people like Adam Kokesh, who just think, well, I can have, you know, six girlfriends out here and smoke weed and gardenia and, you know, lift in the desert and eventually capstan is going to come. Well, yeah you guys don't have proper respect for you know your individual relationships so if it's just you know a borders free love for everybody i i don't think that's a good idea or going to lead to any kind of prosperous outcome or sustainable liberty that's kind of always been my stance and people are free to disagree with that but i think people who have respect for natural hierarchy or families strong fathers, strong mothers who respect their own individual roles, Um, that's going to allow for people who can accept responsibility and tolerate the the inherent responsibility that comes with freedom. Um, Taylor.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, what got me here? uh, The Economics and Ethics of Private Property by Hans Hoppe. Um, Getting Libertarianism Right by Hans Hoppe egalitarianism as a revolt against nature by murray and ralph against the left lou rockwell mm-hmm. uh, leviathan and its enemies sam francis um and uh let's see there's definitely one more um well that's about all that comes to my mind right now but really uh democracy the god that failed obviously but i i Tend to not mention that book because I want people to read something other than that from Hoppe. Because people that are politically illiterate tend to take the wrong lesson from that book. Um, by you calling uh, Multbug illiterate to a point, uh, whenever <laughs> not, whenever no, I'm like, I have a lot of respect for, for Curtis, obviously, but, um, but. He, not even, not even the wrong lesson. He essentially took what Hoppe did and extended it, which is actually fine. Like, I don't have a problem with that. Um, well, I, I mean, he's illiterate whenever he tries to define, like, libertarians half the time. But, I mean, that's, that's whatever. Um, but, uh, but people just say, like, oh, I read Democracy, the God that failed Hoppe as a monarchist. Well, you didn't read the book um that's that's literally i mean and they'll just they'll just be like well i mean i'm with them there but like you know anarcho-capitalism whatever like all i took out of it was that monarchy's better than democracy i'm just like okay you didn't read the book uh that well um you didn't really take the lessons that you needed to or at least consider them as much as you as much as you needed to also best hoppa book ever is a theory of social lim- socialism and capitalism uh that is uh Stefan Kinsella and I agree that that is the best Hoppa book. Um, I'm probably one out of the however many Hoppians in the world would say that that's the best Hoppa book, but it definitely is. Kyle, I think you'd like that just because I don't know how much Econ you've read, and I'm sure you've heard a lot about Hoppa that isn't great from people that hate him because they're dumb.
1: No, I do, Believe me, I do not take a lot of LP people seriously, other than the ones oh, I
0: know no, I can't It's not I'm dumb, it's not.
2: evil.
4: <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's not are, yeah, not even
2: dumb. They're evil. Yeah, and uh, um, but if you read a theory of socialism and capitalism, and think that Hoppe is a bad libertarian or doesn't know what he's talking about, then you're a lost cause, and you should just drop out of politics or theory forever because that's <laughs> insane. No, I, <laughs> I
1: I really enjoyed the two episodes, uh, Pete and you did together on um, I can't remember what was off the top of my head that you got a realistic
2: read, but... libertarianism, which is yeah. The, the, one of the one of the first sections in getting libertarianism right which which you know if we're talking about literature if there's anybody that you know that is on the right that you think could be pushed in the right direction quite literally like more rightward towards anarcho-capitalism um then that's the book to give them and it's short and it's great and uncomfortable at times but uh the book to give every single one of your right-wing friends who makes fun of you for being a libertarian because they don't they don't get it not yet at least
1: right right and i, I feel like a lot of libertarians specifically ones of the lp are responsible for why libertarianism looks like such a fucking joke is because oh, yeah. they, they, they've made a joke out of it um, and the cato
3: they, institute as well yeah
1: yeah, yeah. yeah um it's kind of funny because when I first kind of came into the LP specifically and knew of libertarianism, I was listening to Larry Sharp, Stefan Molyneux, um, Eric July, and then eventually Spike Cohen, Dave Smith. Those were kind of the guys that I first heard of when I heard about libertarianism years ago. And when they kept talking about left libertarians, I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? So, um, and then obviously two years later, after going to two LP conventions, I'm like, oh yeah, I, I get it. Um, they are. Yeah. Buck, uh, some of the literature that you've read that kind of got you to where you are really inspired you to kind of think the way you think now.
3: Hmm. I didn't even think you're going to work in that way. These guys named a lot of good stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like Paul Gottfried. I'm glad that, uh, that Pete said, uh, his book, multiculturalism and the politics of guilt is, is really good. Um, early on, I mean, this is kind of off the radar, I suppose, but there's a book called The South Was Right um, by the Kennedy brothers that I read when I was about 18 that kind of got me into uh, talk of secession and that put that spark in my mind early on. Um, Sam Francis, uh, man, you guys have n- nailed a lot of them. <laughs> Leviathan and its enemies. Beautiful um, losers too, if you can find them Beautiful a losers, yeah, shots fired. Um all of Paul Gottfried's book act are quite well <laughs> yeah. written, honestly. Um, and I really like, it wasn't mentioned, uh, uh, is the betrayal of the American right by uh, Rothbard and then reclaiming uh, the American where is Justin Romando? Re- yeah. Reclaiming the American <laughs> right by ramondo RIP. Um, that book that Pete and I went through a little bit the other day, the, uh, oh, yeah. the, the Samuel Francis uh, covering James Burnham stuff is really cool. And yeah. of course um, I like, uh, it was touched upon. I like mold bug stuff. Um, those are all, you know, uh, and, and yeah, uh, against the left and and getting libertarianism right by uh, one, the first one from Lou Rockwell, the second one from uh, Hoppe. Cool, cool.
1: Well, uh, I'm definitely going to have to make sure I listen to this show a couple of times over to make sure I kind of let everything sink in. Um, so we're going to start to wrap here. I, I want to kind of get everybody's and I know this is going to be difficult, but um, everybody's most bullish case for the LP. I know it's going to be a struggle, but, uh, and then I also want you guys kind of elevator pitch for someone who's potentially kind of like me, where we're kind of looking at things and a little unsure of where to go. So um, Buck, I'll start with you. What would be your most bullish case for the LP? And then um, after everyone does their round, then we'll go back and do, um, you know, what, if you're on the fence and you want to push them more towards, you know, paleo or other route, um, what would you say to them?
3: Um, this is going to sound terrible at, to start with, but sure. the, the two terms that have always confused me when you're talking about markets is bull and bear. Is bull, bull, a, good bear. Yeah. bull bullish, okay, a good one? Yeah, bullish. A good term. A good, a good take on the LP. I don't really have one. I suppose uh, I, 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 let's say this: if you're in some county that is, let's say, asexual politically and and the democrats are kind of whatever not much power republicans maybe not much power everyone's kind of asexual basically and the libertarian party could somehow help you get elected to a county commission seat or something like that i suppose there's a case for in that uh, circumstance and uh, other than that i don't have any good case for the libertarian party uh, to honestly to exist um i would say again, I think it's a, you're, you're allocating valuable resources to, to uh, a wasted effort. And if someone's on the fence and they're thinking about some of the stuff that we've been talking about and maybe wondering why I just said what I said, I would say if, if, if you want change through politics, you have to play the game as it's laid out. Um, I, can, I can all day bitch about the two-party system and try to pretend that I'm outside of it but that's what it is it is what it is we live in a two party system and so if you want to affect change politically that's the game that's the game you have to play if 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 the raiders draft a guy that wants to only play baseball and yet he's on a football team it's not going to do much good and so it would be you know ridiculous uh i would say so make it, i would say this all goes back to local level stuff more more importantly than 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 even state to an extent although we saw at least governorships are are quite can be quite important and quit quit trying to base your entire life and 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 uh your identity on political ideology for one thing would be one of my first (laughs) pieces of advice get outside of that live your life and and when it comes to politics you got to do what you got to do and and being in a third party is uh, essentially pointless in my opinion
1: Yeah, I I completely understand where you're coming from. And that's kind of been the goal of the show is to make anybody who's politically inclined a little bit healthier and a little bit better than they were. And um, to kind of perhaps lay out my position a little bit better when it comes to the LP, um, I feel like all across the country, you would probably be better served as a libertarian to run with the GOP. In Pennsylvania, once again, as it stands right now in 2022, looks good. I will change my mind the moment that does not seem to be the case. And I've said that multiple times over and over again. If the LP does not do what you know we want it to do within the next couple of years, then I'm you know, <laughs> no longer a registered libertarian, right? I'll be GOP in a heartbeat if that has to be the way it has to be. Um, once again, very open to being wrong. I have so, a question real quick, Kyle,
3: because so, I hear that a lot and i think from different people it means different things what mm-hmm. what is the goal of the libertarian party when you say we want it to do if it does what we want it to do in the next couple of, what is it so get people elected locally to
1: enable their the people who elected them to have more freedom in their locale and okay. whenever there's you know like mandates or gun laws that are passed down in pennsylvania then you know you don't have to enforce those and i think you and i may have talked about this once um in a different show, but, um, I get so frustrated with libertarians who say all police are bad people. Well, if you're friends with your local sheriff and you're a libertarian and you can convince him not to enforce gun laws, is that cop really a bad person? Are you just a fucking autistic libertarian? I, uh, that is one of the most frustrating things in the world to me when it goes to this binary of all police are bad people. Well, the police who didn't enforce gun laws or who didn't enforce lockdowns, like once again, to bring it back to Ian Smith, um the cop said well you guys are all you know violation of federal law that being said have a good day you want to call that dude a bad person go fuck yourself all right Mm. don't care i'm not gonna you know just say that fuck all cops because i'm a libertarian no (laughs) these people can decide whether or not i go to jail and whether or not i can leave my fucking house i'm gonna be friendly with those people i don't care if that doesn't make me a libertarian if it doesn't okay whatever i have freedom you don't you're principled i'm free what do you want (laughs) to be um So Taylor, yeah, most bullish case for the LP and what you would say to change people's mind.
2: Most bullish case for the LP would be, like I said earlier, work with the right. Stop pretending that the right is your enemy. Now, half of the party got to go then. Mm -hmm. Um, More. (laughs) uh, (laughs) 75 to 80% of the party got to go then. And that's fine. Parties experience real purges of ideological enemies within it, and that's okay. What the LPMC wants to do with taking over the party, okay. But stop saying that you're neither left nor right. Work with the right. Stop pretending like you're better than everybody because you've read more philosophy work with these people, make a better future. You can, you're smart enough. You can work with people who maybe aren't as well-read and convince them, but stop talking down on them. You will make a better future, even locally. If you just stop talking like a pie in the sky, I'm the most well-read, smartest person in the room because I read a couple Rothbard books and start getting engaged in your community with right wingers who are well intentioned that might need a little guidance and whenever you act adversarially to them automatically they will write you off and they will hate you forever and they will hate libertarians because you are the image of the libertarian to them and you wasted potential power and you wasted potential allies um so tldr version start working with the right stop pretending you're not left no right Walter Block was wrong. It's fine. He's wrong on a lot. I love him, but he was wrong on a lot. Um, And elevator pitch for someone to join the GOP. Do you care about the future? Do you care about your family? Do you want more war? Do you want more monetary debasement? Then don't leave and stay in the LP and don't go GOP and don't change at least your local situation. You talked about how a sheriff can change a community that fast. DLP ain't changing a sheriff. Work with, join the GOP. Start coming to meetings. Start talking to people in your community. Business owners, not too many Democrats. Start working with people who have skin in the game. And if you come at them as a, right-wing politician that just wants them to make more money and to be left alone from say in in our situation say you want to make pittsburgh a better city because you don't want it to be the, the uh, don't want the people out of harrisburg using pittsburgh as just another place to steal from or a uh, start working with your local GOP. You're not going to love it at all times. There are going to be some people who say some things that you don't like. Work with them. And if they're bad actors, get the power to punish them. But work with the good ones. Get rid of the bad ones.
4: What, I mean, and what would there's going to be people in the LP that are going to say things you don't like. So just Absolutely. deal with it, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, Pete, same
1: question as you. Bullish case for the LP and your elevator pitch for people to move past the LP.
4: Okay. So if the LP actually – I'm envisioning this scenario where they would actually become important in the future. They have to become the Bitcoin party. Ooh. And because I think – just look at monetary inflation. Look at – all. All of this, and if they became the Bitcoin party and they became the party of alternative currencies and just concentrated on that, I think that it could be like the kind of thing you see in Europe where you know, like you had in Iceland, you had the Pirate Party, and all they all they were about was digital freedom and stuff like and then they started getting people seated, things like that. I, I think that would be something that the LP could actually do. And they could, you could actually see some, uh, but I think people just, if you're not one of those two parties, we're in a two party system, deal with it. If you're not going to be in, in one of those two parties and you want to do something else, then you have to become more like a lobby group and you have to concentrate on like one thing. And I think if the LP became the Bitcoin party, they would be, there's the possibility that they could be a force, um, and they could really change things. They could swing elections. They could really start negotiating to get things changed. They're not going to do that. So <laughs> you're going to yeah. have to work with the GOP. And this is what I, – I try to make this real simple, okay? Most libertarians I know, and even ones that don't have them, understand that guns are important which party wants to take w- take away your guns and which party wants you to have guns simple yeah. why would you be anywhere near you know if you're going to abandon the LP and but you don't want to work with the GOP just realize the GOP is the one that is pro gun i don't know maybe the reason why you didn't have people being welded into buildings here is because because we have guns i mean yeah. i would say that's it you know realize you you, know, you have to understand the lp is not going to win unless they do something radical like i said and then decide to go with the go with the side that is closest to your values Or just drop out completely. I mean, I you know I have a hard time. uh, I I understand why people would want to do that. I encourage them not to, but I have a hard time. um, I have a hard time criticizing them unless they want everyone else to drop out too. So when people tell me they're going to drop out, I tell them go ahead. Just know politics isn't going away, but God bless. But when I say well. I'm not going to drop out, but I'm going to do this. And a lot of the people who say you want to drop out who are called agorists, um, they immediately want to start attacking you because they have a leftist kind of mentality of everything that they don't, everything that they don't like is immoral. Mm-mm. And, you know, so, uh, that's my pitch. Yeah, no, very, uh,
1: yeah, I think for people who are on the fence, that there's definitely a lot to pick up there, and uh, it's 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 true. Oh, once again, who wants to take away your guns? And you know, there are a lot of libertarians who just aren't fascinating people. They're they go to their LP meeting and they're super stoked to be the chair of their county, and as soon as they're thrown out of it, then you know, oh, well, it's all hell breaks loose. It's like, well, okay, well, what value do you actually add your community? And are you somebody that anybody would even remotely consider voting for? probably not um right. to kind of tail on to what taylor was saying about businesses earlier my bass player my band owns an automotive shop owns a bar my dad owns an automotive shop they're dying the war republicans love both the guys dearly but um you know that's that's where they're at and you know if you came up to them as a democrat they would write you off
4: completely they're definitely more open to libertarians but um you know they're they see they, the degenerate they see the degeneracy that libertari- some libertarians are promoting mm-hmm. and they're completely turned off and they assume that that's all of them. Right. But
2: they also but they also think a lot of those people would call themselves libertarians. They'd be like, yeah, I'm a Republican, but I'm probably more libertarian lean because they heard like Ron Paul or Gary Johnson in 2016 or 2012. Mm-hmm. And they say, yeah, I like the low taxes. I like the lower regulations, but I also care about winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you can cons- if you can convince enough of these people that working with libertarians as members of the GOP, like a lot of people in the GOP, think libertarians are incredibly intelligent people, the good ones, like Tom mm. Woods, great example. A lot of his listener base are probably not AnCaps.
4: No, right. A lot of Republicans. A lot of conservatives.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And they think that, like, okay, this theory stuff is cool, but a lot of these libertarians are useless useless people politically. Yeah. And they like to learn, but they also like to win, and they like to protect their children's futures. And until people in the LP learn this, they're going to continue to be useless. People care about the future. People care about just, just prosperity for their children. Right. They don't care about ideological consistency. They want to win, and they want their their grandchildren, especially, to be able to live in a similar world than they did, or at yeah. least a, or especially a better one.
3: Yeah, Buck, you uh, look like you had something to kind of add there a little bit earlier. I was just thinking about the the actual. If you just look at in results and power structures and, and a game of politics. No matter what your platform is that you run on, if you siphon votes away from someone that's good and someone bad wins, you are essentially pro that bad person. So, in other words, had Desantis lost against uh, what Pete lovingly called the gay black crackhead, um, <laughs> then it, and if that if that LP candidate, which I don't know who it was, if that LP candidate would have pulled. Enough votes. I think it was like thirteen thousand is what DeSantis won by, something like that. Yeah. If that LP candidate pulled those votes from DeSantis, then essentially, when it comes down to it, in the end of the actual results that happen, the LP candidate is pro lockdown and 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 anti freedom at that point because that's what you've caused.
1: Yeah, uh, it's it's an ugly truth for libertarians to accept, but uh, sometimes I think that is the exact situation that um, you know you shouldn't run against good libertarians. And I, I think to, uh, give credit to Dave Smith, he's always said, you know, we shouldn't run somebody against, um, run Santa's cause he was so good on lockdowns. Um, actually one more question before we leave and then we'll do plugs and get out of here. Um, when it comes to national politics, we're hearing about, you know, Dave Smith running 2024. Um, what do you guys think about that? Um, Buck, we could start with you, and, and I'm not here to ask you guys to smear them, obviously. But you know, the idea seems to be to, as everyone would say, reignite the Ron Paul revolution. Um, what are you guys'
3: ideas around that? I wish he would run as a Republican because I would love to see him on the Republican debate stage and speaking of re, you know, reigniting the Ron Paul Revolution. Well, that that's exactly what the Ron Paul Revolution was was Ron Paul on the Republican debate stage, and I believe that the case is that Dave happened to see the the moment between Giuliani and Ron Paul, and that's gave us the great Dave Smith as we know him today, and so I would I I, I think that Dave Smith is too good for the libertarian party in my personal opinion um i think that he should run as a republican and that would be amazing again i know i said earlier if 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 you run and your point is not to win that's a bit odd however on a giant scale like the republican party even if i didn't think uh dave could win who who knows honestly who i wouldn't have thought donald trump could have won so so get this is anyone's guess at this point but i would love to see dave do that and i think he's because he's brilliant and he's got a very he's very good and articulate it it's saying the things that we liked uh, to hear people say and that would be awesome and i think representing the lp will do nothing for him he's already on on joe rogan he's already on tim cast he's already on kennedy uh i suspect at some point he could be on tucker carlson i don't know but i don't the lp the lp label certainly won't get him on tucker carlson and so uh, i just think it would do more harm than good for him personally but that's of course up to him sure taylor well um i would love
2: for dave to not waste his potential as in a potential elective representative um the last thing I would ever want is for Dave to get the LP presidential nomination and for me to advocate against him. Um, I've been a longtime listener, a longtime supporter. I've met him. I've talked to him. He's a great guy. Probably doesn't remember me and that's fine. Um, but the last thing I would ever want is to tell my friends who are like, Hey, this LP guy seems, seems pretty cool. Like, I would vote for him, but there's there's no way that I could vote for somebody in the LP because it's a waste of my vote. For me to have to tell somebody that somebody as great as him and as charismatic as him and as well-read as him is a waste of time would hurt me, but I would do it. And that would suck. And like Buck said, Dave Smith on a Republican debate stage is far more dangerous then Dave Smith is an LP presidential nominee off a debate stage by his own case, the, the Ron Paul Giuliani moment. If Ron Paul's in the LP, he's not on that stage.
4: Yep. Dave, I'm just going to repeat everything. Um, yeah, Dave runs as a Republican, but here's one thing that I don't think people take into consideration if, if he's up on that stage, and especially if Trump is up on that stage, when Trump starts with his bullshit, Dave is quick enough to be able to go at him. Yeah, And that will draw attention. That yeah. will draw attention to him. That will be like, people will be like, who the fuck is this guy? Let me look more into him. That would definitely be something that, um, you know, I mean, I don't, DeSantis can't, DeSantis is stiff. I don't. I don't know if people realize that DeSantis <laughs> is very stiff. Yeah, yeah. I, I I don't see him going up on stage and doing very well against Trump unless before they have a thing set up that you're going to be my V. You know, Trump's telling him you're going to be my VP. Or yeah,
1: the, like the DeSantis isn't. Uh... For the ju- or to the jugular kind of guy, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he's very defensive, but he's not going to be good at going on the offensive as to where Trump is very, very good at, once again, going straight for the
4: jugular and just right. ripping people apart. Um, sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, go ahead, Pete. No, and, and I think that that would be if if Dave Smith wants to run for president, then how did Ron Paul do it? Ron Paul ran in, 19, in 1988 for president in LP. I mean, besides a Morton Downey Jr. appearance, I mean, literally nobody really... Has anything to hold out to show for that? I think he was the first to get over a million votes, and that's cool and everything. But also, it was you know CIA guy against the friggin' Mighty Mouse in friggin' Massachusetts. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Ron was able to do make an impact because he ran as a Republican. If he had ran as a libertarian, nobody would have paid attention to him. So if you're going to have some kind of impact and, you know, who knows what, you know, it's such a weird time. Who knows what could happen if you're on the big stage, but, you know, I mean, if they, they're not going to let him on the stage, you know, in the, when it comes down to the Republican and Democrat debate, there's not going to be a third person. It's just going to be a Republican and a Democrat. So get up on the main stage. You're going to be up there with a bunch of people, but you can definitely make a difference. Otherwise, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you want to talk about everybody wants to talk about restarting the Ron Paul revolution. How about just copying what he did?
2: Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a very, very fair critique. Um, I definitely got a lot to kind of think about. And I think everybody who listens to this is going to have a lot to think about. Um, you guys laid out a very, very great critique and obviously I agree with you guys on, I really don't know if there's anything I really disagreed about. Um, this is still something that I think about a lot in my own head and just because there's a lot of great people here in Pennsylvania, but, um, you know, maybe you guys are right in that. We are allocating resources poorly, but, um, you know, time will tell and I'll be the first one to admit when I'm wrong.
3: So, uh, guys, you want to give plugs and get out of here? Um, sure. Me first, I keep yeah. going first. Uh, <laughs> but the show is called Counterflow with Buck Johnson. It's at counterflowpodcast.com. Follow me on Twitter at BuckRebel, B-U-C-K-R-E-B-E-L. Cool shit.
2: Taylor? org is back, baby. We are back online. Uh, we will be publishing articles uh, weekly. Um, we have a big backlog from a lot of people that um, I'm looking forward to publishing. And um, I'm looking forward to writing some more myself and uh looking forward to putting forward some more material uh not just in forms of articles but in terms of blogs and uh maybe some short videos uh that we've been discussing so hopping.org uh keep a lookout twitter t underscore shiring s-h-i-r-i-n-g
4: cool pete uh the pete quiniano show that one's pretty easy My substack is, by any memes necessary, it's piquinones.substack.com. And you can find me on Twitter if you look for The Piquinones Show. It's at Mance Raymond. And that's an inside joke for anyone who's been following me for a very long time.
2: Throwback, baby.
4: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Good stuff, guys. Um, And until
1: next time, everybody, take care.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.